sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Business Eye, sponsored as usual by Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. Joe, another week. Which week is this? Uh, Simon, I've now gone, I've marked so many marks on my chalkboard <laughs> that I've lost how many weeks. We joked about this a year ago uh, that it was like Groundhog Day. Well, and it is our anniversary. If you think of it, um, this time last year, we called it at the radio station to sort of get everyone prepared um, and get everything off site because what was coming. But I can't believe realistically we are in lockdown for a year. That's it. Yeah, yeah. no, it's exactly. It's a year. Well, it was a year tomorrow, the 12th, but it was the Thursday. So, yeah, it's a year. It's just who would have believed it, you know? Like we were in the office and I said, well, look, you know, we see what happens here. And we'll say, we said, look, I'll see you in three months. And we laughed. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I... Yeah, no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mad. Mad indeed. Yeah. Mad, mad. mad. So, so we have a wonderful guest to start with, Joe, um, by the name of Gillian Godsell. Um, Gillian, very, very interesting, right? So Gillian has held senior positions with global PR companies in Sydney. I lived in Australia for a bit. Singapore, London, and Dublin. She was PRO of Iona Technologies. I know the company. Ireland's first company to float on NASDAQ. She changed the law in Ireland in 2014 to allow bankrupts to run for public office and as a former European parliamentary candidate as an independent. Gillian is co-founder and journalist in blockleaders.io, which I know we're going to talk about. She freelances for Irish Tech News, Irish Central, the Irish Independent, Irish Times, and has her own radio shows on Dublin City FM and East Coast FM. And she's listed in the 50 most influential women in the global blockchain roll call. So um, there's a lot there, Gillian. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. Could I add a new one in? I got one because on the 8th, of course, was International Women's Day. Yes. And myself and 100 other women were nominated for global leaders, female leaders in COVID. I and saw that. Was, that was an interesting day. We had an hour and a half and we all had a minute to speak. Well, Gillian, wow. Gillian reading your, your portfolio for the show, uh, very impressive. And you're an avid walker as well. An avid walker as well. Yes. And close neighbor. Close neighbor. Close neighbor. Close neighbor keeping. I feel yes. left out. I'm left out here. <laughs> left out on Sorry. So, Simon. Cool to, people live in this. Cool people, yes. Simon, we were, you know, we're talking about blockchain and talking about cryptocurrency. Um, so before we ask the expert to come and share their wisdom and knowledge with ourselves, how would you describe crypto? Okay, so I'm not an expert, and and anything that I don't know about scares me a little bit, right? But I'm 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 sure I'm going to be calmed down by what Gillian says. But my understanding is some sort of digital or virtual currency that secured some way. Can you copy it? Can you get around it? So so that's my understanding. Some sort of digital currency that secured some way. Is that very naive? <laughs> um, well, I tell you what, I believe it is. I believe when, I, when someone asked me what crypto was about, I say it's like a stock. Like stocks, they go up and down. Um, people invest in them. You know, you can cash in your stock or keep watching it or growing or, or exchanging it for other, say, stocks. And with a stock, you need a certificate, a certificate, as you know. But I believe that the crypto certificate is a wallet, and that's that's a that's a crypted wallet that you have. So 
that's my how I explain an easy way to people about cryptocurrency. So tell me, what do you think yourself? Are we spot on, Gillian? You have encapsulated different aspects of it for sure. The securing it is for sure the wallet volatility. Um, digital money, which we all use that now. We all have our online, we have our cards, we have our online banking, we have our ATMs and, and we have our, you know, our, our phones, our, our wallets now. But what we use currently in the fiat world, and fiat just means money that is issued and secured by a country uh, or a central bank. In a fiat world, we the security that's offered is by a central body, an intermediary, a bank. So we trust the bank. So, well, that's a bit of a stretch, but we, in so far as, so far as our bank, our money's kept in the bank, if we want to spend it, we use the banks, the financial institutions as a means of saying, yes, you have the money and yes, we can spend it. Um, and then the thing about the security, about the blockchain, which, which is the technology upon which cryptocurrencies are based, is that blockchain is immutable. And it gets around the double spend issue, which you're, you were kind of alluding to, Simon, you didn't maybe use the term for it. And yeah. the old idea is that could I email you something but could I email someone a copy of the same thing? Could I email Joe and Simon copies of the same thing and that I haven't really given it away like, and I've kept the original? So um, the whole problem with, with um, digital money is that it's done via a bank. So we know when we spend the money, it comes out from the bank yeah. and we give it to the retailer or to somebody else. Uh, blockchain fulfills that, that purpose that we it's uh, it's a public ledger, basically. And so when I send you money, but I don't need to send it via a bank, Simon. I can send it. You mentioned wallets. I can send some cryptocurrency from my wallet to your wallet. And it is validated across the blockchain, which is immutable, which means it can't be changed. And it's a public, it's a public ledger. So, so got- having one central ledger, we have a decentralized a whole bunch of nodes that will ratify the money is transferred. It's this very, very clever technology doing away with the need for banks. So I'm really interested because I'm completely ignorant about this. So I've grown up tr- not, I wouldn't say trusting banks, but accepting banks are the means of holding and storing and transferring money, right? And so where did where did this, my first question is, where did this start, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess the second question is, who owns this? And the third question is, how do we know who enforces this or oversees this? Maybe just break down those things first. Can you remind me of the questions if I missed them out. Okay, where did it start? So where did it start? Okay, well, blockchain as a technology was invented in the 1990s, I believe. Uh, it has a very clever set of attributes, as in um, being immutable, decentralized. It's it's a very clever technology which allows people to pass uh, values on the blockchain, and they're all secured. But what, how it was actually came to fame was in 2008, when the Lehman Brothers was the crash, the 2008 financial crash. Somebody or a group of people under the pseudonym of Satoshi Nakamoto. So that's just a pseudonym. We don't know if it was one person, many people, whatever. Um, they wrote this white paper. It's an eight-page white paper. And they basically used crypto- cryptography to solve that double spend issue. So the person or persons who wrote this white paper to who introduced Bitcoin, um, they recognized that the financial world was not working. It was The crash was happening. And yet again, the little man was being uh, totally totally left behind. And this is an idea to solve it, saying this is wrong, it's not working, it's the other traditional money is not working. And the beauty of it is that, like Bitcoin you mentioned, uh, is it is it who owns it? Nobody, well, if you have it in your wallet, you own it, but nobody owns it per se. It's not controlled by a central bank. It's not controlled by a government. It's controlled by nobody. It's decentralized. That's rather nice because banks, as we know, and countries can do funny things. Banks can do things like tracker mortgages. Uh, countries can do things like give people haircuts. 
So, you know, if, if a central bank or a government controls money, mm, you don't know what they might do. I mean, we live in a developed world, but there's still some pretty hairy things have happened here. Um, and if you live in a developing world, a lot more hairy things happen. Uh, so nobody controls it. And then in terms of, of like who owns it, if you have it in your wallet, you own it. But there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins. That's all. That's the, it's all based on maths. And the nice thing we say, oh, is that enough to serve the world? It's divisible by up to, I always forget, is it 12 or 18 decimal points? So there's a huge amount of, you can you can earn little Satoshis or spend little Satoshis, which are slivers. And in time, I think they might reduce that down more. They might The miners might bring in even more decimal points. And that's just something, Simon and Gillian, you mentioned the banks. And my nine-year-old daughter was talking about banks the other day. And she said to me, who owns the bank? <laughs> I stopped. And I had to think for a second. I went, I was going to say we do. But I, I had to, I said to her, says, they're private organizations. And she mm -hmm. went, oh, okay. And it was the first time that such a simple question from a nine-year-old made me stop and think. Because we forget about the banks. We forget who actually owns it and who's generating it. And... And with blockchain and with cryptocurrency, are the banks fearful of what's coming down the road with crypto and blockchain? Are they still denying it? Um, well, they're very well aware of it. And even back in the days when they were publicly and still do. And here, I think it's difficult if you have a cryptocurrency business to get a checking account, a banking account. Yeah. Um, they, it's the, and of course, Jay, uh, uh, Jamie Diamond, who was... This still think CEO of JP Morgan Chase, very high profile, saying it's all a Ponzi scheme and they're all rattling against it. And the reason why banks and status quo don't like it, it's change and it upsets the status quo and it offers a new way of, of exchanging value. Because your daughter's right. I mean, like, why do we, for example, call public holidays bank holidays? I mean, so the banks give us holidays now? I mean, ever since I've been in this industry, I, I do not call bank holidays bank holidays. They're, they're public holidays as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So banks, when they're brought up, I mean, you remember that film, It's a Wonderful Life, and the bank manager and the bank played a really important role, and it still does. I mean, banks are really important in the sense that they allow us to get credit. How do you buy a house? The average person doesn't have enough money for a house in their back pocket. You know, credit, lending, um, even just storing and exchanging your money. Banks do a great job, except more recently they haven't. And they don't really serve uh, the, the people. They're too busy chasing the bottom line, the dollar, uh, the dollar value. Um, and I think in, initially when the Bitcoin came out, when banks started to realize what it was about, first of all, there was a very big public indignation and display against it. it was very very public and still is in many places but in the background they're all filing patents and i mean jamie diamond who he was quoted one of the most quoted people as opposed to uh, i think most anti-bitcoin person in 2019 jp morgan launched the jpm coin as a means of doing settlements between banks in the back office so they all recognize how important this technology is they're just they don't want to give up control who would give up control would turkeys vote for christmas you know so you you have to take a pinch of salt with a lot of, of what and they, they talk a lot and they're doing a lot in the background because yeah, it's very powerful technology yeah there i think there's a lot going on in the background and it's interesting just with the banks that you said like look at the credit unions there's credit unions now they're telling their members that the max amount they can have in the bank is twenty thousand, and the reason because they used to then deposit that money in banks and banks used to give interest. Now banks are making charges and it's no longer suitable for the credit unions to have people with large amounts on it. So there's this, there is this shift in it as well. Um, one thing that with, with Bitcoin, which interests me with Bitcoin, if you look at the influence that people 
influencers have on Bitcoin. Like if you look at Elon Musk there, he invested, you know, one point something billion in Bitcoin there uh, recently. And then in a tweet, he said, oh, my God, Bitcoin is coming up, is jumping up. And it automatically dropped by $10,000 because of his tweet. And that in itself, kind of first thing that went to me, oh, my God, if a man has invested one point something billion in and then says that, whose money is he playing with, really? And the second one is that's warning that someone can have influence on a Bitcoin like a share. Yeah, well, I think the first thing is to explain the market capitalization of cryptocurrencies in total is very small. Now, with Bitcoin, the fifty grand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, it's trillion. It's still infinitesimal compared to fiat money. So it's like you put a, a, a rock into the sea, nothing. You put a rock into a bath, there's big bubbles. So it's this very small market capitalization, and that's why movements are much more uh, volatile and they're kind of like they're you know a five yeah. percent. It, it's a it's a big deal, and oh, there is that element of it. Now I have to say. I work in this industry. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a trader. No, no. I'm not. No. And, and I and people say, I mean, I get a call to the whole time. People say, should I invest? And I'm going, I don't know. <laughs> you know I'm not a financial. I don't invest. I don't trade. And in fact, recently, I was listening to somebody. There, there are a lot of day traders out there, retail traders. And fair play. That's what your thing, happy days. And there was an advice in this bull market because everything's very bullish. You know, it's all very, very uh, everything's going up at the moment. Um, they said, watch your, watch your, 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 your money the whole time, your portfolio the whole time. I'm going, that would be the kiss of death for me. It would drive me nutty. So it, it's, 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 it is volatile. If you're a trader, you can make a lot of money. Sure, it's a, but I, I can't really even speak to that because. I don't do that. I, I, it's like, I don't know, I was trying, someone rang me yesterday, I took half an hour before I could say, I can't give you any advice. I can't. Well, I, really- I think that's that's the best way, you know, not giving financial advice, because if you can, it can come back to bite you. Simon, yeah. I remember when crypto came out, um, Bitcoin came out, and I was sitting in, in my car in, in England, and it was mentioned on BBC radio. And I think it was about 32 pence at the time. And I went, oh, that's interesting. My father used to say, in hindsight, you could be a very wealthy man. Now look back on, why didn't I just say, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll throw a punt on it, you know, and and look where it's gone now. When did you sort of hear about it, Simon, or when did, or is it something that you kind of go, I'm not, don't even want to know about it? Well, when I lived in Australia, somebody I knew invested in it and he actually lost money because the market went because of that volatility. So, but, but, uh, I, I'm just a natural cynic about everything, right? I, do I trust banks? No. Do I trust governments? No, right? So, Gillian, why should I trust Bitcoin, right? I would just assume, because I'm a cynic, that somebody one day could switch it off. I don't know who that person is. They could be in Jakarta. They could be in Moscow. They could be in New York. They could be in Rio. And I would lose every penny. How can I be assured that I can trust it? You know, that's a really good question because I used to argue fervently again, going, oh, you know, you can't trust banks and it's mathematically controlled and blah, blah, which it is, all those things, right? But the switch it off, um, someone wrote a really good article recently. I read, I went, wow, if I bought a a hedge cutter, an electric hedge cutter, you wouldn't say, what if there's no electricity? What good is that to you? Because obviously it's electric. And you know what? If some that term used, if someone switched it off, if someone turned off the electricity in the morning, yeah. We'd all be a bit stuck. Our cars wouldn't work. Our phones wouldn't work. Our heating wouldn't work. Our mobiles wouldn't work. You know, there's uh, our cities wouldn't work because the traffic lights would stop. Everything would stop. And yes, so too would Bitcoin because it runs on electricity and it runs on nodes on computers. But 
aside from that, aside from the catastrophic impact of having a total world brownout or blackout, whatever they're called, nobody controls it. And, and I mean, it's it's a valuable commodity. Do you not think there are people who've been trying to hack it for a long time? And they can't because it is, I think, I understand to actually hack it, you need to have a denial of service, a 51% uh, capture of all the nodes that are uh, ratifying and, and, and uh, displaying all the, all the Bitcoin. And that would be that would take as much energy, I think, of all of America and China put together. So it's just not feasible. It's, it's so 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just, I have so many questions, right? So you mentioned the eight. I mentioned I, I heard that you know there were only eighteen. Would you say million or twenty one million? Twenty one million. Yeah. What? Why? And how? Why is it limited to that? Well, because it's a finite resource. It's like why is gold valuable? Because it's finite. And why is money now? With I mean, like people often said to me at the very start, they say, oh. Money's safe, fiat's safe, and it's you know I'm going well. How do you reckon that? Because fiat's only safe; it's not attached to anything. It's not asset backed anymore. The gold standard was, as we know, dropped. Bretton Woods, World War World War Two, and then Nixon really dropped the gold when, when the dollar became the, the reference um, currency of the world, and then he dropped the gold standard for the dollar back in seventy uh, one. So money money has no it, it only has a value because we believe it. I mean, I was speaking with a man today who is based in Nigeria and um, talking to him about, he was talking about cryptocurrencies, but look at the Naira there. That That is like worth nothing because the government is, whatever the government's doing, yeah. I don't know, but it's worth nothing. Inflation's crazy. My, my issue is like, I understand why gold is finite because it's a, it's a mineral in rocks, right? Who determined, who determined that there'd only be 21 million of these? Like, how do we know that that won't just increase overnight? because Satoshi Nakamoto set it up. So it's a mathematical formula and it's open source. So it's not, it's not even like, like with, with a lot of the problem we have with traditional forms of, meat, of, of finance is that it's centralized. So it's either banks or governments and you can't see in, but it, this is decentralized and it's open source. So you, you cannot you cannot affect this. Now, there are many other coins, by the way. So people <laughs> think, oh, I want some of that. I was going to ask you that as well, because being finite and limited and the price of it being so expensive, we know that other other coins have come on the market. And I know the last time I was speaking to a colleague of yours, it was Simon Cocking, and he was mentioning that the top 800 coins that were trading at the moment were were outdoing all the coins in the world. Um, and this was just gone back a couple of years ago. And I've seen coins come on and i've seen people invest in these coins especially in ireland coins in ireland that were really pushed and a lot of people wanted to who who were unaware or uneducated about cryptocurrency but wanted to get on the bandwagon and lost and lost a lot of lot put a lot of savings into it because multi-level marketing was introduced into creating these you know the, the people buying into these um cryptocurrencies and i know people that have lost on it and there is the, the scary thing about it so with all these different coins coming out can i say two things to that actually? just i just just quickly regulation we don't we know we don't trust the banks we know we don't trust trust governments is that is is regulation and it, where does who regulates it well first of all people lost their money i'm really sorry for them because it is a rotten thing and i i personally have lost money too in a pension thing that i went into bang it all went so i know personally how painful it is this is yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> we should go we, 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 we could compare notes after <laughs> right and um and that's regulated in terms of i i was by a 
So anyway, that's, we park that. I would say ordinarily that you don't invest in things um, that you can't afford to lose. That, yeah. That's a bit of first one. That's a basic line because you have people who, you know, sold their house and put it all into Bitcoin or whatever. And, you know, actually, as it happens, that's probably a good move. But anyway, I'm not advising to do that. But the second thing is that I think perhaps when you mentioned multi-level marketing, are you making reference to OneCoin, which is one of the biggest Ponzi schemes in the world, and it's not a cryptocurrency? Now, it was it was marketers, one people who have heard of OneCoin. You bought your licenses, and on a central database, you would buy your license, and then you'd sell it to your friends. It's actually insidious. It's one of the most horrible, horrible scams because not only did you lose your own money, because it appeared to be such a good thing, you would sell it to all your friends, and then on this central database. It would show, oh, it's gone up 5%, up 10%. So something like that is horrendous. I think there were spin-offs from that coin as well. Oh, and, it's uh, just, know, there's so. actually a very good BBC podcast called The Crypto Queen by Jamie Bartlett, a very good one explaining it. And the reason why it's, that's so heartbreaking is that people invest in that because they want to better themselves. They, they, I mean... I get away from that greed thing. People who invested in those things, they wanted to have a pension. They wanted to pay off their mortgage. They wanted to have enough money to pay for the kids' education. So people do these things for all the right reasons. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to sort stuff out and, and maybe if you have some capital to invest. So it, it was really horrible. And then it used, what I love about cryptocurrencies and blockchain, it democratizes access to finance and opportunity. So it took all those words and put it onto a scam. And that to me, that's the double, double edge, the double cut that I find is so painful because people invest for mostly the right reasons. I mean, this, this Jack the lads, whatever, most people invest because they want to look after their children's education or their parents or something. Um, and they used all the vocabulary in this particular one coin, which is, which is well and truly a Ponzi scheme and it's not a cryptocurrency, but they used all the terminology, all that that powerful terminology of surrounding blockchain cryptocurrencies to encourage people to invest. And you know, the irony is that um, podcast by Jamie Bartlett called The Missing Queen, um, it's very, very good, seven-part BBC production. Um, when he ran it, because I interviewed him, spoke to him afterwards, people began buying again, even though this was a big expose on the BBC about it was a total scam. The woman ran off and the brothers being held in prison and there's millions gone. People have all lost their money. The scam has started up again. Oh. Yeah, I know about Bitcoin, right? And I've heard of Ethereum. And I mean, how many of these currencies exist, right? And do, are they all, so is it 21 million of each of these currencies? No, 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 they, there's some of billions that varies. They set their own targets. Some of them, like you've heard of the Dogecoin, the Dogecoin, D-O-G-E. It's the, uh, uh, actually, Elon Musk loves it. It's a picture, it's a fun coin. Someone set up as a joke. It's a picture of a, I can't even say the dog's name, Inu Shih Tzu, whatever, some sort of dog, whatever. Yeah. And um, it's used for tipping. You know, if you want to tip somebody, but online. Um, and uh, it, it's it's got a market cap of like half a billion. It's been crazy, whatever. There's nothing behind it. And also they don't have a, a, a finite number. It's just you can go on and on and on. It's just a fun thing. It's a fun thing. But then let me tie in something normal, something here. Jelly beans are fun. Well, yeah, it's nobody minds. It's pence, you know, so it's not. Although it's a lot of pence when you add it together. But at the same time in 2008, when Satoshi Makinoto, Nakamoto was uh, creating Bitcoin, in Brixton, in London, obviously the crash there, the locals in Brixton, the county council, they put together a thing called the Brixton Pound. Now, you may have heard of that. Um, it was quite famous because they had famous yeah. people like uh, David Bowie was on the picture. And these pounds were 
very popular, and the notes were they were hard, the uh, paper notes were done properly with all the inking and all the rest of it. That was huge, and apparently, some half a million pounds sterling worth of value was exchanged. And the idea was that you got these Brixton pounds and you spent them locally, and you got you know extra value when you spent them locally. And it was so circular economy, local economy was brilliant. Now, funnily enough, twelve years on, they're now moving that to a cryptocurrency, and they're using a blockchain called uh, Algorand blockchain, which was created out of MIT. And they are now in the process of, because no one wants to have cash anymore. They want to have it on their phone, but they're going to, so the Brixton pound is going digital. It's going to be a cryptocurrency. How wow. cool is that? It's and cool. you know, a cryptocurrency, it's all about passion. Because if you think about it, what is money? Like, What is money? It's things you, you used to buy things or exchange things, or you like the dog coin, the Doge coin. People just like it. And well, I think what, if your passion was your money. I think what a lot of people are fearful is that now, you know, mo- money is no longer backed by gold. It's just a printing press. You know, what a, we, we've seen in the last recession, you know, the bank just hitting a button and a couple of trillion being dished out and sent off. And one of the things which, which I worry about, especially within today's market, is with all this money being borrowed, it has to be paid back. Okay, we understand that money is cheap. We understand that the interest rates are low and we know that a, a country can pay money back in, in a matter of, you know, a, a couple of decades for the money that's borrowing in. But it's that inflation rate which scares me that we're pulling this in and then if inflation rises, you know, your 10 euros today might be only worth two euros in two years. We don't know what's going to happen within Europe. And is it a safeguard that there is people who are, you know, looking at blockchain and looking at cryptos, seeing this as a little a little safeguard just in case the unknown happens. Well, I was going to say that we do know, you said it's unknown, we do know that quantitative easing and the excessive printing of fiat money has reduced the, the value. I think the dollar, I, I don't know to hand, but like, you know, a dollar now is worth like, I don't know, 70% of what it was worth 30 years ago. I mean, it has dramatically decreased in value and in spending, the same as the euro, our purchasing power of our money is much less. Now, having said that, during this pandemic, that helicopter money has been amazing. It's kept people afloat. The pop payment is just fantastic. It's great to live in a, a, a developed world where you can get it, but it does have ramifications going forward because the value of the money comes down and we have to repay it. And even with now we've got zero interest rates. So the whole world, and I am not an economist far from it, not a financial advisor, far from it. But it, it is a bit weird. If you start to think about it, who owns the banks? All this easing. Who pays for it in the end? And then how do people pay for their pensions? Is, is Do they have enough money in that pension bomb? I wouldn't even go there. A lot of things that are wrong. I'm not saying that cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency is the answer, but it's just it, it does two things. One is the whole uh, blockchain technology on which it is uh, under which underpins cryptocurrencies. That's very exciting. It's very innovative. It, it looks to rethink think the world and a lot of the thinking behind it is to make the world a better place in a genuine way mm-hmm. um, and then the cryptocurrencies on top is just, it's it's a way of putting manners on banks at the very least i'm not an anarchist well i don't know it might be these days but anyway but you know we put manners on banks so the banks have to give service 
They have to deliver. They have to stop doing these hidden charges and this and that. And I mean, we, do you know that one of the biggest things, which is the most horrible abuses of money transfer, is for people who live in the developed world who send their remittances home to their families back in the emerging world. They're, they are scalped. They are gouged. They pay 20, 30 percent and it takes a long time to get their monies over there. So Gillian, so Gillian, so I mean, I mean, in Ireland, you know, we, we have the highest debt per capita in Europe by far, by in by far, right? And this year has actually grown further than any other, right? So there's serious issues there. What's stopping a government? Maybe this is a stupid question. What's stopping the Irish government just getting into into cryptocurrencies? Can governments get into this? Yeah, a lot of actually, what's happening is that a lot of countries are doing a central bank digital currencies. Now, these are not technically cryptocurrencies because they are controlled centrally, but they take a lot of the benefits of cryptocurrencies. So they are controlled and are centralized, but they are faster. You know, those fees I was saying about the remittances, if it's cryptocurrencies, the fees are minimal, which is why it's so helpful and speedy for people. So a lot of um, the US dollar is looking at that. China's already brought it out. Um, and it, it's it's a way of modernizing money, if you like. And it's and another thing too as well, but is it a safeguard? Is it not? It's a different way of viewing value because in the old days before money, we used to have, I think what they call the coincidence of wants. So if you wanted a cow and I had a cow, but you had a sheep and I wanted a sheep, that's very handy. I'll take your cow and you take my sheep and we swap it. But it's very rare that people have a cow that, you know, to find that actual coincidence of wants is very rare. And that's why money is handy because it's an inter interoperable thing. To be it. fair, a cow, but, being honest, then money now. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of, yeah, a couple of chickens, <laughs> fresh eggs every morning. Well, <laughs> wouldn't, you, wouldn't you be lucky if you had a sheep and someone wanted a cow in exchange for your sheep? Yes, doing well. well, you know, we're in the, we're, we are in the right part of the world, Gillian. Yeah. We are in it. There's a passion with the cryptocurrency and you can exchange value. Let's just say we value books, we value something. We can put a value on something and monetize it in a digital format and create rules so that it's not it's not like, um, I'm going to email you something, put it on blockchain as a value. It's just there's so many possible permutations. Julian, uh, we've got about three minutes left. I I, I, I think that, um, I think uh, there's a conversation here for another show definitely there's so much but unfortunately for the, we've, we've run out of time for our time on this um what would your what are your thoughts or what what sort of i, I know you're on you're not giving financial advice but if someone wanted to go down that route to explore more about digital currencies and blockchain what would you say to them well pre-covid i would say go to meetups meetups were a great place to meet people they were held the whole time uh COVID now is a bit harder. You can do online meetups. Go on YouTube. There's a lot of people chatting there. Um, you could buy my book. That would be good. 99 cent. It's very good value. What is your Persons book, Gillian? Give, give us the details on your book there. What is it? It's Persons of Interest. It's I did a series of 41 interviews with some of the makers and shakers in the space just to understand what's going on in people's heads and what projects they're doing and why they're doing it. It's, it's, it's a fascinating study of people in the space. We'll go back to your question. I would say listen, learn, talk. If you want to get work in this space, stick blockchain into your LinkedIn profile someplace and find out what happens. Um, and then in terms of the, of the whole investment thing, I don't know, but I know that Revolut, you can buy Bitcoin. Put me put up a standing order to buy $50 worth, euros worth of Bitcoin every month. See what happens. And the yeah. old thing about it, the thing is don't, you can't, you can't invest that you get, you can afford to lose. I mean, obviously that's the thing. But, and yeah, no, I'm, I'm, it's, it's I'm looking more at 
I'm looking more at silver myself as an investment over over. So that's what I'm I'm exploring because it's really low. It's about twenty six dollars at the moment. But I I might look at at the um. You could tokenize silver. Where can they reach you? Give us your website address and your LinkedIn profile as well, please. Well, LinkedIn's the best place. Gillian Godsell, Gillian with a J, Godsell with a G. And um, the website for, well, I'm GillianGodsell.com, but also the website for this is Persons of Interest, Persons, plural, of interest.io. And um, yeah, but LinkedIn's the best place. Or Twitter. Twitter, I'm good on Twitter as well. We'll put a link up in the show then as well on that. Simon? Cool. I think I'm, I think I'm going to stick to my chickens and cows. I mean, it's it's fascinating area. I, I just need to, maybe I need to read your book, Julian, because I'm one of these perfectionists. Unless I really feel I understand stuff, I avoid stuff. So maybe I need to read your book. May I say there's more I don't understand here than than I do. It is such a growing, it's like living on, being on steroids in this space. It is just yeah. so fast, so exciting. I learn every day. I learn huge things and there's so many bright brains in here and they've got ideas and they want to change the world and they want to do so many things <gasps> it's exhausting <laughs> yeah no i think I, th- I think blockchain blockchain will out to uh crypto uh, blockchain is the future for everything it's there's a lot of stuff that we're exploring in that in that realm that i think will change politically um and financial realms within the next decade definitely Gillian. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you indeed for having me. Thanks You're very kind. Sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. And welcome back. Welcome back. Simon, as we know, at the end of each show that we talk about lockdown and we talk about the craziness of lockdown and a couple of things that are sparking with myself, ask your thoughts. One thing if some people are feeling a bit sick about is it's Paul Reed, him after getting his big pay rise in a place when everyone else is suffering. What's your thoughts on that yourself? I I don't understand how that can happen. Uh, I I don't have any political affiliations in Ireland. I I just don't understand how it can happen right now. Um, Is it a quarter of a million or 400,000 or something? So it's the highest paid. I think nearly 480 something thousand. I just don't change. I don't get it, Joe. I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, and and Davies as well. Davies, uh, you know, there's a big article there about Davies and the stuff that was going on there. I wonder will any will there be any jail time? Creaming yeah. off the top, as someone said to me. Yeah, my my concern is again. We spoke about the other day about Brand Island. You know, I mean, the world watches this stuff, and uh, you know, it's it's not it's not a good look. It's not a good look. You know, Ireland had a good reputation last year for soft power, right? It came very well placed, but this year it's dropped down, and all these things add up negatively for the brand of Ireland. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, to our audience, look, I'm going to play something that was aired the other day. And for me, I felt nauseous and sick when I heard it. And it was Ronan Mullen in the Senate, and he was raising some concerns about information that, that was coming out. Listen to this and tell me what your thoughts are. Um, I want to raise the so-called zero COVID proposal today, uh, uh, for even this proposal for even harsher lockdown measures for the remainder of the year. A report was published recently of the international correspondence and workings of the so-called independent scientific advisory group, which has been pushing for zero COVID. And this group has many members, many of whom are virtually household names, such as the regularity of their appearances in the media. 
but their internal correspondence suggests that the group is not basing its positions on strict science, but in fact has been massaging the facts to try to entice politicians into adopting zero COVID. Just four weeks ago, the group head wrote to its members asking them to, and I quote, look for ways to increase insecurity, anxiety and uncertainty, and to quote, go after people and not institutions because people hurt faster than institutions. He said that ridicule is man's most powerful weapon and that the threat of a thing is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. In other words, people should be scared into accepting zero COVID. Now, this reads like something out of Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Maybe it is something from Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. But the Social Democrats appear to have bought into these proposals. Their correspondence suggests that the group has been deliberately adjusting its targets for zero COVID in order to convince that party's leadership to subscribe to the strategy. And all of this is in the public domain, and yet, incredibly, it has not been reported by RTE or in the print media. So why is such a group allowed to scaremonger without at least being challenged on their internal uh, conversations that we now know of, either by the politicians or the media? When a medical doctor advocates hurting people because people hurt faster than institutions, should that person's views be supported by Oireachtas members and reported uncritically in the media, I ask? There you go, Simon. That was... Um Ronan Mullen sharing some information and I have read some of the stuff that's come through and some of the information people have shared with me. It's quite, for me, I felt nauseous and it's quite shocking and damning. Um, what's your thoughts yourself? Do you think anything will, will, will it fall through or will it be swept under the, under the carpet? Uh, you know, I, again, I'm just a cynic, you know, these things should be looked at, but will, will they be? I don't, it but should it's, be. It's damning. It's, in my opinion, what I got from it, that manipulation and lies to keep people, in, as he said, you know, in fear and keeping an anxiety up. It it's like there, it's like um, there's a a test going on. You know, it's like seeing how far we can push people. It it does feel a bit like that. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, Leo Varadkar was on this morning saying you know, on radio saying, you know, the lockdown is likely to continue into mid-May for non-essentials. And I'm thinking, well, how do they know? Why would they say, why would he say that on a radio show? show? Why, why isn't there some sort of official announcement? Who's holding these politicians accountable? All these things go through my head. And, and you know, and meanwhile, I'm on Zoom calls and people in the States and the UK are saying they're going back to meetings and they're meeting people and stuff. And I'm thinking, why is is there something unique or different happening in Ireland? You know, I don't know the answers, but it just seems very odd. Yeah, yeah it's it's all very, very worrying. And as I said to you before we came on air that, you know, it was a tough day for me today. Just you're angry. everything. You're, yeah, you're yeah. angry. I was angry a few weeks ago, but you seem. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm and I'm angry because I'm questioning now, are we being played with? That's that's what it is. Are we? You know, are we being played with? Is there people who are making decisions for us, the citizens, who are so far out of touch with the people that voted them in? Because, and that's where I am, you know, we don't work for them. They work for us. And I yeah. feel we're, be I really feel we're being let down. I My do. question yeah. is, are they playing us or are they just so out of touch that they don't know what they're doing? I, and I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get someone in that does. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> it's a mad know. world. It's a mad world. It is. The sky is, and it's been a mad day sitting here. It was 
hail it was a hailstorm 20 minutes ago and now it's blue sky blue that's, skies and that's it's, ireland 2021 it's, it's, it's mother's day weekend mother's day weekend yes uh, for the people that are hearing this this weekend is mother's day weekend and the people that hear this when it goes out on monday you're too late but so i mean look you have um you have a great day yourself and myself we're going to be putting something together um yep. which we're going to be launching at the end of this month as well which is going to be really for helping businesses accelerate so we're looking forward to uh sharing uh, some more information on that uh, in the month of march exactly look out for that that's yep. great have a good one god bless
mal.